It's Tuesday night, Kensington, Maryland. I'm staring at Tim Strachan. What's up, man? Sitting next to Kevin Ricca. It's a Minusky world now, baby. <laughs> Matt, the real deal seal, who's loving life. DJing with Kevin Ricca, I should say. Co-DJing, even though, can we say that? I don't know. You I can say know. whatever you want. I don't, know. I just... don't care anymore. You're not on Facebook. <sighs> That's true. <laughs> I, but I am Ken Marangolo on the Audible. This is a, a special night for off-season on the brink because we are joined by our expert in all things related to the draft and college football players, that is, Steve Schaub. Steve, thank you so much for being on Off-Season on the Brink tonight. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. Just passing up some, uh, probably a, a hell of a dessert tray somewhere nearby in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> no, glad I glad I could get on tonight with you guys. Um, so you're at the Senior Bowl. Steve's at the Senior Bowl. He's been going. How many Senior Bowls is this for you, Steve? This is my sixth one. That's awesome. Sixth year. First year was uh, the year Shanahan uh, coached it, but I've been coming back ever since. So you and Cousins go all the way back to Mobile. Yeah, I, uh, I interviewed Cousins as part of a press conference and uh, was able to ask him a couple of questions. Okay, so actually, this would be a great way to satisfy our Kirk Cousins box checking, uh, you know, portion of the show. Uh, we can avoid talking about everything else about Kirk Cousins by by discussing him here. You knew at the time, as all the uh, kind of the reporters um, knew, that the Shanahan's fell in love with Kirk at in Mobile, like right away while they were there, um, like a vacation girlfriend that they were they were going to change their entire world for. Yeah, I mean, you know, that it was talked about that Cousins just blew everyone away in all his interviews and every workout that he had with teams, all that. I mean, that's what the talk was all throughout the process. I remember Mike Mayock went to his pro day, and he said it was the most impressive pro day he'd ever seen from a quarterback, uh, just the way he managed the team and, and took control of things and the leadership qualities that he had. And, and when I got a chance to interview him as part of a press conference, that was abundantly clear. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he was not really recruited in high, in high school. Um, Michigan State ended up being the only uh, Power 5 conference team to recruit him. He had a couple of MAC offers, and they, they did it late in the process. And he came in as he was going to be like their fourth quarterback, just a guy who would always be a backup on the team. They recruited above him, then, you know, the first couple of years, and even guys transferred in and out they were supposed to be better than him, and he just proved them all wrong. And you saw that right away. He talked openly about that. He was just really impressive. And um, clearly, uh, Mike Shanahan fell in love with him down here, and <clears throat> that's why they drafted with him when he was still available in the fourth round. Um, I, I, obviously, I enjoyed the hell out of the good things that RG3 did. Um, it, if it was anything, it was exciting. Uh, it was hype, you know, hypeful. Uh, but... It was hypeful. It was hypeful, uh, but for me, I was I, I I fell in love with with Kirk Cousins at the same time as the Shanahan's did, and that's when I I became convinced because we were made to be convinced that he was going to be our guy. We drafted him anyways, um, and whenever I have arguments with people in shop, I mean, obviously people on Hogs Haven, there, there's a crew that would be willing to let him go, um, so so as to avoid you know some cost. Um, one definitely send shout outs to the the JR Who's, the Barnums, the um, is it I don't know if it's WMD skin or Western Maryland skin. I think he's Western Maryland skins. 
think it's uh, Western Maryland, yeah. Yeah. Um, even Skins and Jane's bitterness and terribleness uh, and awfulness of, <laughs> of, of hating everything. Um, and, of course, I hate, and uh, I'm missing tons of guys, but who, who's, who stayed up for Kirk's defense or, or advocate, you know, for, for bringing him back. Um, I like to think of him as the guy who we did draft um, who, and who did pan out and who, who's, who we are getting an incredible return from in, in our, our investment um, and who, who no one should want more than us, you know, because of what we do know about him. Well, absolutely. And in fact, this is what I've said about the argument for Jay Gruden. Um, and I know that that's another can of worms right there, but mm-hmm. Jay Gruden has done the job that he was hired to. He was hired. What was he hired to do? He was hired to make us a, a competitive team. We have, we went to the playoffs one year, we were one game away from making the playoffs this year. And first time we've had winning records since 91, 92. And the other thing he was hired to do was turn a 2012 drafted quarterback into a top 10 signal caller in this league. It wasn't the one that Dan Snyder thought it was going to do, but he did that job. He got Kirk Cousins back-to-back years in basically every major statistical category, a top-10 quarterback. And we can argue if he's actually top-10 talent, but the production is there. He's done what Jay Gruden was hired to do. Now you just got to give him a defense and bring Cousins back is, is my outlook on it. We have a lot to cover, and I just and we, we talk about Cousins a lot on this show. I like to I like to think that that box is checked, boys. Yeah, no, I, I, that's awesome. I don't Steve. think anybody here is going to disagree with what you said, Steve. Yeah, honestly, that's great. I mean, you know, for, for, for the sake of wanting to argue, we could get in, in as you said, opening up cans of worms as to you know, is he a guy that gets you over the hump? Because we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. You know, is he a guy who you can count on to win the game when the game's on the line? That kind of stuff. But the way you put it, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. To be honest with you. Yeah, all I got to say is, for the record, Steve Schaub, you know, the Audible signing you long-term, bro. We're not franchising uh, you year in. No way. <laughs> no. Yeah. This, is, this is a long-term <laughs> commitment. and We're all in, showing the respect, showing the love, showing the love. And, uh, oh, without a doubt, Steve, Kevin Ricky. that's why Kevin Ricky is our general manager. And uh, not only the director of Good Times, but also the head of personnel. <laughs> two titles? Dude, yeah. That's oh, sweet. yeah. Well, it's a small organization. You got to wear a lot of hats. <laughs> Stressful. Yeah, it's, he is, stressful. it's a very stressful, stressful life. Yeah, checkbox. Checkbox. Kirk Move Cousins on. checked. And it was a good way to talk Next about Kirk. Next yeah. Yet another week where we found a different way to talk about him. Next issue. Good, good, <laughs> good enough tea. I got a, a question to kick off our scouting ahead of the draft portion of the show. Um, Steve Schaub, and it hits you like this. You've gone to six senior bowls. Uh, uh, give me two schools. One that would surprise us and one that we... Well, wouldn't surprise us as far as programs that produce the most NFL-ready seniors on the most consistent basis that they, uh, that you see when you're down there. Ooh. Across the board, um, across the board, not just like the best quarterbacks, yeah. but also just the generally the yeah, best yeah. NFL-ready guys. I, I mean, the the easy answer for the one that that's not going to surprise you, of course, is Alabama. I mean, you know, sometimes it gets hyped that oh, some of their prospects don't pan out and all that, but at the end of the day, they're just producing so much high-level talent. And, you know, some come out early, but a lot are seniors. And not all, because they're so good, they don't all come down here. Um, you know, guys like Jonathan Allen and Reuben Foster, though that was due to injury, and Tim Williams did not come this year. But they, those guys are NFL-ready. And, and they might not always hit the, the elite uh, level, but 
they're good good ball players by and large. Um, a, a a smaller school or, or a less you know well known. That, that's a tougher question. Um, you know, I, I would have to say that you know last couple of years we've seen a lot of Big Ten schools really pick it up in terms of uh, what they've produced. Schools like Indiana. Uh, Illinois has a couple guys down here this year. Yeah, how about um, your boys at Rutgers? Most guys I, in the Super Bowl this year. That's unbelievable. Oh, I mean, that's yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, I was another one. They got a bunch of guys down here. So Maryland, um, big, like <laughs> Everyone. yeah, there's, 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 I have there's, to by contract. Not, I have to throw it in. There. <laughs> um, but you know, not, not so. It's not just the big time programs, the Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, these second, you know, second tier Big Ten schools are, are starting to produce some NFL quality talent. So, and uh, a year in year out basis. So that that's a you know impressive build up for those programs. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you see, there's a lot of churn at the high profile programs from a coaching perspective. So you can't like to say that Rutgers has the most guys playing in the Super Bowl. You wouldn't necessarily attribute that to one guy. I was wondering if maybe in the, some if there's a if there's a noteworthy smaller program. Yeah, that I was a thinking guy like an Appalachian State. Yeah, a guy who's been there like for 15 years, you know, 16, 20 years, um, you know, and and he made made it his place, and he's pumping out guys who yeah. who can play. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. They haven't been represented like every single year, but some smaller schools like Tennessee State and South Alabama, in these six years, they've, you know, probably now combined. South Alabama's probably had four guys, three, four guys at least. And Tennessee State, they have two guys. They've really two guys down here now, and that's probably like their fourth or fifth guy um, down here in this six-year time period. So, I mean, those are definitely small, smaller schools that you would uh, – definitely not a tribute to um, being the top, say, 100 so seniors in the country. So Let me ask uh, you this, Steve. To turn... I was going to say, yeah. as far as the smaller guys, when you think about taking this, one, taking this question to one more um, level, if you would, now that you have a little bit of a taste for the kind of guy McLovin is looking for, um, is there a program that, that, suit, that suits that? Is there a program that's pumping out the kind of player that McLovin is looking at on an annual basis? And we're, you know, I love that we're, you're looking at seniors because um, you can actually really attribute the program. Well, I know, I know McLovin, uh, there <laughs> McLovin <go>. Come on. <laughs> is on record of talking about um, you know, uh, the big-time programs, the, the bigger schools, the FCC, the Big Tens. Um, schools from ACC schools from those types of conferences that he likes just because, and especially seniors, because he likes guys who work their way up, play three, four years, um, you know, develop into captains or, or, or leaders on the team. And also the fact that just week in, week out, they're playing good quality players. And, and, you know, sure. Like uh, there's gaps between the ACC and SEC, but still you're still playing, even when your team, even if you're a top team like Clemson, yeah, you Florida State's another top team, but there's still other good players on programs like, you know, uh, Pitt, Louisville, UVA, Tech, of course, uh, Miami, uh, UNC, um, and Duke has even produced. You know, and we got Jameson Crowder. They they produced some uh, 
more higher drafted players in the last couple of years. So in Maryland, um, yeah, don't forget, don't forget Maryland. Actually, Maryland does produce they NFL do. players. They actually, do have a bunch. Yeah, we talked well, about them. I mean, about Maryland's no longer in the ACC. Let's get let's get it right. That's true. We get a little forgetful around here. I know. Throw it in there again. Well, Steve, like that back. Take take that down the next level um, because you know it's it's interesting. Everybody loves uh, to to fish out of the SEC pond and the ACC pond and uh, you know th- those those ponds. Um, it's so easy to see how great a Khalil Mack is uh, when he plays at a school like Buffalo. It's so easy to pick out you know that kind of uh, crazy insane talent. And so a lot of times in the bigger conferences, the pool is so deep that pond is so rich and full of fish that there's hidden fish. Is there a hidden fish uh, in, the, in one of the major conferences that's going that, that no one's talking about um, who you think is going to be available uh, in a second or third or fourth round? I mean, he's obviously going to be a good player because he played in that conference. He's obviously going to be coveted because he played against top competition. But he, he's also going to suffer from underclassmen coming out early, uh, you know, positions with greater depth. I mean, can, can you are, do you, you kind of know where I'm going? Do you, do you have some guys in mind? Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, you pick uh, it up with yeah, Bassmaster you know, is laying down. <laughs> Bassmaster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think if you're talking about seniors uh, kind of solely right now, I think you're looking at, you know, the rounds that you mentioned that, of course, you have to also tie the positions that we're talking about, D-line, uh, secondary, probably preferably safety, um, you know, maybe inside linebacker as well. And I think there are guys who fit that mold um, who are going to be second, third rounders. And not that they're totally under the radar, but just because there's so much competition, like you said, maybe they slip around um, because either they're on a team with so many stars or they're just in a conference with so many stars. And it's how do you separate, you know, this group from, from everyone. And, and a couple guys who might fit that bill and, and definitely for the Redskins and a couple who are down here <clears throat> are D linemen like um, Carlos Watkins from Clemson. You know, I mean, we all hear about all the Clemson offensive players. Carlos Watkins, and you can search different draft, you know, um, people, they're all over the place on him. Some think he's a top 50 player. Some think he's a top 75. Some think he's below top 75. So that's a guy who who very likely sitting there in the second round and very well could slide to the third round. Chris Warmly from Michigan, he had a really good year. Um you know, he's a perfect five technique. Another guy, Michigan, very talented team. There's so many talents on that. Everyone talks about Jabril Peppers, but this guy can play. And uh, another one from Iowa school, just talking about, uh, you know, kind of secondary school in the Big Ten, Jaleel Johnson from Iowa. I mean, he probably profiles best in a 4-3-3 three, three tech, but that guy can can uh, <laughs> make, make offensive linemen uh, regret showing up because he just embarrasses them week in, week out. And, uh, you know, those are some of the guys in that second, third round range. Another guy who might be a little later uh, from Alabama, Dalvin Tomlinson. I mean, we all, you know, uh, we all talk about the Ryan Andersons, the Tim Williams, Jonathan Allen, those, the good corners Rubens. and safeties on that team. <laughs> oh, Ruben Foster, I mean, that guy is a, a stud. But Dalvin Tomlinson, I mean, this guy, he is just one of those, like, lunch pail guys. He works through the whistle, like every play, I got the chance to interview him tonight. Really good guy. Um, you know, he's not going to put up gaudy sack numbers, but he can play some nose tackle in a three, four and, and just occupy blockers, blow up guys, blow up guys, uh, running backs, you know, somebody who could, uh, who could meet Zeke Elliott in the backfield instead of three yards down the field. 
And, you know, that's the type of guy that Scott McLuhan needs to find in the mid rounds because, you know, perfect that kind of position, especially a nose tackle, you're not on the field every play. So you don't want to invest a first round pick, um, you know, like a Danny Shelton from a couple of years ago. It's a really good player, but is he going to play every down in your defense? You know, that's kind of the risk reward kind of equation you have to figure out. But a second or, or a third round defensive lineman, um, would probably start for us or, or be considered starter-esque depending, um, depending on what front we're running with uh, Minuski, which is a different conversation. Um, but you just made a great case. I don't know if you know that you just did this, Steve Shelf, but you just made a great case uh, for, to justify McLovin using that first round 17th overall on whoever the F he thinks is the best player available because he knows that there's going to be guys that he can plug in in a near starter role in positions of need in the second, third, and potentially even the fourth rounds where we have two picks. And we're going to get to that fourth round depth in a second here, Steve. But let's just say on a lark that the Washington Redskins have every single position adequately filled. And he can go into the draft uh, and, and take whoever he, he wants and whoever he thinks is the best guy available. Now, we all see all like you know, your average big board rankings of, of players. And, and there are players available in the middle of the first round that do fill a need for us. But who is your guilty pleasure want in the middle of the first round? If, if, if you didn't have to answer to anybody, Steve, and, and as far as uh, you know, not getting a position... Who's who's the guy that you just covet for for his sheer ability? Like any any position, any not position, team need any position. Yeah, assuming assuming obviously he would play for us. Yeah, uh, probably the guy, and and he definitely could go higher, but not not the. I mean, if they're there, Reuben Foster, Jamal Adams, Malik Hooker, those are the guys. Well, you know, without a doubt, if if one of those guys slides for some reason, they're the guys. But the guy who has a shot of being there, O.J. Howard. I mean, this guy, I mean, you know, I know we have Jordan Reed, but this guy could be the best tight end in the league within two years. I mean, this guy can do everything. He's way underutilized at Alabama. Is he there? Yeah, he's down here at the Senior Bowl. He was part of the opening press conference last night. Uh, Got a chance to talk to him a little bit. Really great guy. Um, Knows what he's. (laughs) <laughs> knows what he's all about, and he just had a fantastic day of practice today. I will take him yeah. in a heartbeat. Kevin said it like two or three weeks ago, even well uh, before the first playoff game, because um, Kevin has been the one to remind, and he's turned me into a reminder uh, to fans that, that at the end of the day, McLovin is a best player available guy. If O.J. Howard is there, and, and Steve, it, it does appear that he would be there. Um, it's starting to it's starting to look like he's not getting drafted in the first sixteen picks. Uh, we we could be wrong, and maybe it is a, a decision between OJ Howard and and Malik, um, who everyone seems to uh, be sending to us, uh, or a lot of people, anyways, on mock drafts. Uh, let's not forget that Jordan Reed might be one more hit away from retirement. Right. Yep. Oh, absolutely. And, and but he is. Well, a, we yeah. need two of them. He is under contract. He's locked in. He's ours. Injury is going to be the only thing that knocks him out off of our roster in the near term, and it's, it's, that's, that's a possibility with anybody. Um, I, I've said well, we've all agreed yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that if you give Kirk Cousins a long-term deal, um, it, it, it's certainly justifiable to pair him and to grant him a, a, an offensive weapon out of this draft. 
I agree, and I want to ask Steve how he's how's he grading out in the run block. And, and, and I know he just got down there last night, started up. So something to keep an eye on, just you know, just to let me know, so I can let the world because you know you don't get that you don't get that type of knowledge watching the, the championship game. I saw him run like a racehorse down the sidelines, looking like a wideout, catching that ball by himself, looking like a freak. But we can't have another tight end that is you know fifty fifty in the run game. So uh, get, what what do you know about that portion of his game, Steve? Well, you know, he opened up about that last night in the opening press conference saying that's the entire reason he went back for his senior year because people asked him, you know, hey, you could have been a first-round tight end last year and especially the much weaker class. What made you go back? And, you know, he said two things, um, especially after winning championship. He said two things. He really wanted to graduate, and he wanted to improve on his run blocking, and he wanted to show scouts that he could do that. And he felt he improved this year, and he knows that's something he still needs to work on. Uh, but he feels like he's capable of doing it now at an NFL level. Awesome. And, and, you know, today in, today in practice, um, you know, uh, he was running a lot of routes. So, you know, his run blocking, um, you know, you only get so many reps with running plays, but he looked good. The couple of times I, I was able to focus in on him, he, he did, did his job. I mean, he wasn't, you know, mauling guys like blowing them up, but he wasn't giving up, uh, giving up, any any sort of ground, nothing so he, he did well today. Yeah, that's good enough yeah, for that position. Exactly. They're, we're not asking for a pancake. Not, yeah, guy. no pancakes, yeah, nothing yeah. cheap, sir. It'd be yeah. nice, yeah. but and. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the thing I'd say with that is, I mean, his frame is impressive. Like, he carries the weight well. Everything about him speaks that a year or two from now, he could be a really good run blocker. Like, he'll be a, a you know, okay, above average run blocker to start. But he could develop into a really good run blocking tight end to go along, of course, with being an incredible athlete and uh, just major weapon out there as well. I, I Listen, Kevin did plant the seed – um, although I, I would, I've gotten comfortable with the idea of drafting an offensive player in the first round, but the idea of drafting OJ Howard specifically has captured my fancy so much over the last month. And, uh, I don't know. What about the Clemson tight end though? Well, well, uh, let me just say one more thing about OJ Howard and you know, uh, we'll see what happens with the wide receivers. It's Likely we're loose. losing one, if not both, but remember what the Patriots did. They had Randy Moss, best receiver ever. And they say, you know what? We're done with Randy Moss. We're going to draft, you know, um, Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez and just become a two tight end team and destroy teams that way because they can't match up against us. The Redskins could take that as a similar approach. Like OJ Howard is an incredible tight end. Jordan Reed's an incredible tight end. Try and stop us. And we'll just have Jameson Crowder and, you know, Whoever Dotson else, and maybe some other guys, yeah. John so, I, I mean that that could be that kind of uh, <clears throat> line of thinking. But you asked me about Jordan Leggett. Uh, he's another really good tight end prospect. There's a lot of really good tight end prospects this year. Um, you know, the Redskins. You almost have to add a tight end, even if they re-sign Vernon Davis. There's just so much tight end talent this year. You could make a case that this year combined, there's better, there's more talent at the tight end class in the last three years combined this year versus the last three years. I mean, it just goes so us. deep. Yeah. If you can get the best one of yeah. that. I've said for years, yeah, I've said absolutely. for a long time that the tight end is the most effective weapon on a football field because of the, the dual role he can play. And absolutely. And it's, it's because of Gronkowski and all that. What, what the Patriots did, everybody wants to replicate that because it, it can be deceiving. It can be 
uh, you, you can do so many different things with it. It's uh, it, I, I don't see it out of the realm of possibility. I think it's great. I think yeah. if they if they do that, that you know, people the fan base will go nuts. It'll be fun. Initially, it'll there will be backlash just because it's sorry, not a D lineman who's yeah. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> no, no, no. This yeah. draft is very deep <laughs> yeah. defensively. Yeah, it is. If, it if is. Steve was telling me how deep it is for the tight end, it's, this draft is starting to shape up to be uh, something something fierce for the burgundy and gold. Yeah. So I mean, you kind of answered, or you maybe answered one of my questions because tight end was on my list. It was actually my fifth on my list, uh, Steve. So we're going to cross that right <laughs> off. Um, we kind of covered value at number seventeen. I was going to ask you about the position with the most depth, assuming it might be tight end, but in this, uh, in this class, do you think that that's the position, or where do you think the most depth is in NFL-ready players? Um, I, I'd give three positions. Um, tight end probably being number one. Just mainly, I, I think the thing that shocks me and some other guys that I've talked to is a couple of years ago, we were talking like the tight end position in college football was dead. Like you just weren't getting yes. talent coming into the NFL who, who could be tight ends. The only ones that were coming in were guys who made Jordan Reed look like a great blocker. You know, I mean, that's what we were getting to. That's what it seemed like. And so many of these tight ends now are at least feasible blockers, if not actually guys who could project to be good blockers down the line. So that I think is just what's so impressive about this group. I think the other groups that really are deep, crazy deep. I mean, the cornerback position, uh, you could make a case that there's six first round talents, maybe even more. Um, I don't know if that many will go in the first round. One or two might end up sliding to the second round. One or two might change to the safety position guy down here. Desmond King from Iowa has openly talked about maybe switching to the safety position. Another guy, Cameron Sutton in the first practice, the South team practice, they used him at the safety position in some drills. So, I mean, that's just how deep that position group is. Uh, it's, it's crazy deep with a tons of first, second, third, fourth round talent. Um, you know, that, that just is throughout this class. And then probably the other one is kind of the, you know, the interior defensive line or, or, you know, the five technique uh, defensive end three, four defensive end types. I don't think they're outside of Jonathan Allen. I don't think there's the elite players, but it's a deep group. I mean, I gave you four or five guys who are just seniors um, who are like second to early fourth round talents. And that's not everyone in that group. So, uh, you know, that to me is another really deep position group of NFL talents. I mean, maybe not like your Uber stars. I, I don't think there's the JJ Watts, even the Cameron Haywards. Uh, in this group, but I think you have a lot of good starting talent from that group of guys. So, which leads me to, um, we have two fourth round picks this year. Now, obviously, we we hit a home run, in my opinion, or many people's opinion, on Jamison Crowder as far as value out of a fourth round draft pick. Um, hopefully, future value as well. Uh, I think he's making some. I think McLovin's making some bones in the fourth round. Based, you know, are we getting starters in the fourth round uh, in a position of need in this draft? You know, I think you can. And, and you know, but, you know, it could also be a tight end to, you know, the, the debate of, of how much need that is or a corner. You know, we probably have our, our top three set, hopefully. Um, but we could see talent there. But, yeah, you know, there, this is a deep draft class overall and you know so many juniors it was a pretty strong senior class 
Um, Dane Brugler, the uh, CBS uh, lead draft writer, he tweeted the other day that he talked to a scout, and the scout said that this is the deepest the seniors bowl has been in in at least five years, or or something along those lines. And and you also have to remember, there's a good 15, 20 seniors that either didn't play because they pulled out, or didn't or aren't playing because of injuries. So, I mean, add that to this mix. All the junior talent that's come out that, that, you know, we all know at all the various positions, whether we need them or not. So this is a really deep class. You're going to find, um, you know, talented players in the third, fourth, fifth rounds even, and maybe not all are day one starters, but they should be contributors. You should find significant contributors in those types of rounds. So excited about the draft. He's I wish gay, it was right now. Man. Juiced up a little bit. Sounds to me the Senior Bowl <laughs> is packed with talent at positions that we need desperately. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I think that's what really plays out well for the Redskins is the positions that we have either major or minor needs are like, say, cornerback. You know, we can say, you know, Norman, Breland, uh, Fuller, Redskins are pretty set at corner, but Breland's in his final year. You know, Fuller, will he develop, all that kind of stuff. There's tons of corner talent to get a fourth rounder who, oh, man. you know, maybe he's your fourth corner, but he's a great insurance policy. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, he shows up, he shows you something, he's on special teams, so yeah. stuff like that, yeah. Uh, Minuski yeah, came there, out today and said so much. there's a premium on that position. And he knows what, you know, yeah, what we heard. But, but specifically to him, you know, it kind of surprised me at first. Obviously, we all know that, but that was the first thing he spoke about when he was asked about, you know, the rebuilding of this defense. I'm not going to be shocked if we get one or two in this draft. Well, you know, it, 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 it lends itself to the potential eventuality that McLovin goes straight BPA at number 17 overall, and we just can't sit there and be shocked if it turns into an O.J. Howard or, uh, I don't know, Brutal a, juice. or a John Ross. I mean, I don't, I don't think he'd pick John Ross, but I, I think it, I, I've always said it's a sneaky, sneaky. He likes the big boys, man. He's not going to take little John Ross. Yeah, I, I, do, I do kind of agree with that. I think as much as Jackson's been a threat and a weapon, I think – he would maybe, you know, somehow Corey Davis has slid to that pick. I, I mean, I doubt it. I think if he's there for yeah. the Eagles, he's an Eagle. Um, but, you know, something like that I could see. Uh, and same with Howard. I mean, I mean, I, I could see it. I, I really think the only thing that he would not take in round one is an offensive tackle, which is pretty good because there aren't many good offensive tackles in this class. So, um, you know, I mean, quarterback, obviously, if, you know, if we resign Cousins, I don't think he's taking a quarterback either. But those are like the only two positions that I would say are totally off the board. Even a guard and people. Oh, you, will, okay, no, no, right? you're you're cutting me off there, Stephen Chow, because that's that's what that's what I'm trying to get get you out on. I always ask you every year, give me a guard. I remember, I think it was AJ McCann out of Georgia that you and I were just like over the fence for. Uh, was that two years yeah. ago? I, I think he's uh, yeah from from South Carolina. AJ oh, South Can. Carolina. Yeah, AJ Can. Sorry. Yeah. Um, give me a guard. That's give me a go- give me a guard. This year, this year, Ken's man crush is going to be John Ross. I have a feeling. No, no, no. We've got to put an over under on how many times he's it will be John Ross from now until the draft. OJ Howard way before John Ross. OJ Howard before John Ross. Probably Malik before any of them because I think he is because he's that good. He's 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 he could he's both BPA and and position of need. I think in the middle of the first round, right, Steve? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think OJ Howard is a easily a top fifteen talent. He might not go there because you know not every team wants to spend that high of a pick on 
OJ Howard. I mean, how much are the Lions kicking themselves for taking Ebron one pick before Odell Beckham and then not even before him, but before guys like Zach Martin, Aaron Donald, all these other like elite, elite talent. So tight ends just naturally tend to fall. Give me, Um, give me a guard. Give me a guard. Give me a guard who's starting for us next year. The three guards that would start for you next year are Dan Feeney from Indiana, who's down here. Forrest Lamp from Western Kentucky. He's listed as a tackle down here. He played tackle last year. Uh, he's going to kick inside the guard. He's only 6'3". I love Lamp. And then Dorian, and Dorian Johnson from Pitt. He's supposed to be down here, but he has an ankle injury. Uh, I believe his ankle. And he, He's going to go he's high, though, isn't he? Making... How high is well, Dorian one of these three, One of these three is definitely going in the first round. Without a I don't think all, all of them are. Uh, my guess is Dan Feeney is the guy that goes in the first round. I know a few guys like Daniel Jeremiah absolutely loves Forrest Lamp. Um, you know, um, and he's, he's a good prospect. Don't get me wrong. I think he's more of a second round guy. I think Dorian Johnson's probably a second round guy also. Had he had a senior bowl, and he, I think he maybe could have exploded and really shot up boards, but you know, he'll, he'll have to rely on his combine and pro day, um, <clears throat> assuming the ankles fully healed. But those are the three guys who are, Day one, start long-term starters uh, and, and left guards at that. So um, those are the guys who you know. Um, and and this is the other thing. I know some fans won't love it, but seventeen is a position. If that OJ Howard is not flipped, it's kind of a dead position for what the Redskins need. There's a ton of corners in that range. There's a lot of edge rushers, and they're good players. But are you gonna? draft a guy there who's a better edge rusher than, uh, you know, um, Trent Murphy and Preston Smith. Are you going to draft a corner there? Who's definitely going to be a much better prospect than Breland or much better player than like Breland and, and Fuller, you know, maybe, but you also, you could probably move back a few spots. And then if you move back, then you could talk about a guard at the end of the first round. You could talk about an inside linebacker, um, you know, some other guys would make a lot more sense. Maybe some safeties at that spot. So and you pick up extra picks. And, and that's the other thing. I mean, we we're just talking how deep this draft is. I mean, McLuhan obviously recognized that a year ago. That's why he picked up these three extra selections in this draft for that very reason. And, you know, why not? If you get an extra third rounder to move back six spots, you know, why not? Um, yeah, I would. So, you know, I think that that could put a lot of other positions on on the that's like mid, the that's like mid draft season talk there, Steve Shop. We're going to this party stag. <laughs> we are going to this party stag. Fit, you must acquit. Yeah, I'm not trying to <laughs> throw a Dematha reference out there, but Mc, <laughs> McLovin's going to this draft stag. Yeah. We don't we don't have a sing, we don't have a date to this dance at all. How fired up is he going to be the morning of the draft? Oh, Thursday God. morning. Oh, we're going all in. I know, Steve. I know you have like your that's like. Uh, tax season for you. you you're just on lockdown <laughs> for that so we're going to get all our, our um steve shop loving in throughout this uh entire off season on the brink um season which, i can't wait for it man yeah i love it steve we, we just so appreciate oh, your time man oh no thanks for having me on and yeah and i'm happy to come back on talk draft free agency whatever all right, so we'll talk to Steve next Tuesday. Obviously, <laughs> uh, we're gonna we'll we'll, we'll Call have me. Yeah, we'll have that we'll have that on here. I want to say a special shout out to all the five o'clock clubbers who gave us a listen today. Thank you. Want to uh, give a special shout out to all the people who come to us, as T said earlier, and, and uh, give us a listen each week. Um, and and their leader, 
the uh, listener in chief, Keegan, always. Uh, you know, one, this is a listener based, listener supported uh, endeavor. Thank you so much um, for Tim Strachan, Kevin Ricca, Matt, the real deal seal, uh, and on behalf of one very southern food stuffed, you know, probably barbecue busting <laughs> Steve Schalp, who will be back next Tuesday. I'm Ken Marangola. <laughs> this was the Audible. <laughs>